Blog Talk Radio. My name is Raina Starr. I am your host. As always, Desperate House Witches is not a GPG or even an R-rated show. So, if bad language, bodily function, or dirty talk of any kind might upset you, this is not the show for you. So you never know what I'm going to say. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the amazingly wicked one, the incredible Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your pagan needs and witching needs. And for the month of June, we have the wishing box. She has a wish kit. It is so adorable. I was talking about it on the air last night. It's shaped like a coffin. It has candles and scrolls in it. It is the cutest thing for wishing on the go. I'm just saying check it out. www.wickedwitch.com. No, wait www.wickedwitchstudios.com. I would get smacked for that by friends of mine. Um, But anyway, she has a social media link on Facebook. So go there, get that link, click click that to get to the sale. While it's still available, this box, I believe, is only available until the end of June. Okay. For the hour, I have my friend, author, tarot creator, uh, just a fabulous person, the amazing Jamie Elford. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Rena. Woo. Happy Pride. Happy June. Happy Pride. Yes. Woo. Happy Pride to all of my binary, non-binary friends and family. I love you all. And, I, you know, in my house every day is kind of pride because, you know, we are who we are in my family, and that's just it. So it's nice to to have the celebration. We certainly appreciate it, but we, we're going to talk about rights and shit. You know that, right, Jamie? Oh, yeah. Nope. All right. It's same here at my house. We've got our flags. We have the um, Philadelphia Pride flag flying out front all year round, and what a time to be time to be gay and just who we are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not just gay. It's gay, bi, it's trans, it's gender, non-gender. All of us. I'm sorry? Yeah. Um, I was just saying, I'm repping the asexual flag, so woohoo. Woo! Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, there's so many, I uh, honestly, my feeling about um, what is straight is kind of non-existent because I really don't think I have ever known anyone who is quote-unquote 100% straight. That's just my experience. I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but I think it's 
not quite as frequent. I think a lot of it is inspired uh, judgments of others and fear of being ostracized. What are your thoughts about that? I, because that's my feeling, you know, as we're talking about Pride Month. Every time I hear a guy act stupid, well, he's gay, you better not touch me, or some bullshit like that, to me that's a sign of I'm afraid I'm going to love it. I'm kind of similar, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm like, come on, people. We're, I mean, those of us that are beyond college or beyond schooling of any type, it's like life is not fucking high school. And we are allowed to be who we should feel we're allowed to be. And I, yeah. at some point along the way, I stopped caring about what people thought of me. And I recently, yeah. like through the pandemic, finally found that asexual term because I never really liked sex. I felt like I was forced into it a lot. Yes, I've had a rapey, a couple of rapey experiences. And, sure. you know, sure. for the most part, I just got tired of, you know, just, it's like, for me, I don't really have that drive. It's not really present. I'd much rather read or write or play with my tarot decks than spend a night, you know, doing the old bump and grind, so to speak. And it's just... I feel like the world is not black and white. We are um, moving away from a binary system of values, of, of even, you know, of gender, of sexual expression, that, you know, it's fine yeah. for people who want to procreate using the old heterosexual normative styles, but we also should really start accepting that, you know, that variety of love and care. And, like, for me, I see there's, I don't want to call it a spectrum because, to me, it's a 3D imaging. But gender, mm-hmm. sexuality, or non-sexuality, and then romance, so it's, you know, the GSR, really does have a wide variety of things. Back in the 90s, remember old AOL Online, where we used to talk about, like, ASL, oh. age, sex, like, you know, which location? Well, today it's the GSR, but he's got that where, you know, some of us are, you know, cis-identifying in our own bodies or we're trans or non-binary or agender or gender void. All these great new terms are coming up. Like for me, it's it's like, yes, I identify with she, her pronouns right now. But I have been uh-huh. thinking towards a whole, who am I really as far as gender goes? I've been more of a tomboy, more masculine through my whole life. And so I'm not sure what girl really means to me or even boy in some cases, you know, that's very true. You know, and it's interesting because with the pandemic, there's been a lot of time to have the ability to introspect or be introspective. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I used to consider myself just plain old bisexual, you know, men, women, that was it. Um, mm-hmm. But as I've gained more knowledge, that's not necessarily it. It's, you know, I'm also uh, pansexual. It's, I don't fall in love with body parts. It's like whatever you have attached, if I'm in love with you, is that's it. I don't care. Yep. It doesn't matter what's attached. If anything, it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's not sex-driven, 
anymore. It used to be mm-hmm. uh, my entire life. It's so, it's so amazing now that people are not motivated by sex. I think it's brilliant, and I wish I had known about it earlier because I have made so many questionable and fucked up choices oh my God. based yeah. on what I thought I wanted sexually, and it, it will fuck up your life. It really it can. Does. I was talking to another ace um, person. We had lunch one day, and we were talking about had we had, we had the younger generations, you know, show us all these beautiful terms for gender, for sexuality, yeah. for even romance back in the 80s, yeah. you know, as I was growing up mm-hmm. at least, I, that would have saved me from like 20, uh, well, not 26 years, but in my 20s, that first uh, six years of my 20s of experimentation of well, maybe yeah. it's just this. Maybe if I try this, maybe if I do this. And none of it worked. And it's amazing to hear, at least in the asexual sphere, with the um, younger generations growing up and having knowing about ace clubs or having those connections to where they can yeah. really embody and empower themselves to be the, the beautiful ace people that they are without stepping into those mm-hmm. errors or those, things that you, you know like you and I did that you know we kind of have the regrets for mm-hmm. oh yes I I I, both, I have made a series of bad choices but then again my choices with women weren't always so stellar either I've had my heart broken seven ways to Sunday from every gender I've been with you know trans person of mm-hmm. uh, straight by gay, whatever, I because I love have loved so many people and I've been really lucky to be able to love as much as I have. Um, and I wish terms were, were available then because I didn't know what was literally available. Like I didn't know that it wasn't weird to just, you know, be attracted to people based 100% on their spirit and personality alone. That's it. Don't need anything else. Don't really care about the packaging. The packaging is whatever it is. It's all a crapshoot anyway. Um, And I wish I didn't have to conform at that point to some kind of a norm because even when I was involved with a trans man, um, it was so early in the game, you know, back in the early 70s, and, uh, late 70s, excuse me. I'm not quite that old. Late 70s. <laughs> um, but, you know, we did. We, we were afraid to be uh, not public because everyone thought, oh, you know, they're just friends. But we couldn't talk about it. There were no open discussions where we were except, you know, in a very underground sense in, in parts of New York. We could, you know, there were folks who were very accepting of, you know, my partner and myself, but mm-hmm. it, it seriously well, it could have hard. been so much easier. It, it, I'm it, sorry, it go ahead. Hard, especially when you um, really know that person, like if you met them before they uh, transition, whether it's just spiritually where they decide to stay who they are in that body that they were given or go and do all the surgeries, however down the surgical road it may be, there comes a point where yeah. you want to, you know, 
announce them as the identity and expression that they want to be. You know, it got hard for me when um, people in my life were like, I don't want to be a he. I don't want to be a she. I want to be a they, them or something. And it was just like I wanted to tell everybody, including family members, because at some point it's like family's the last person to know. And when you have to use those old pronouns after like maybe a year or so of using, um, you know, they, them or she, her, you're like, I can't do this. I really can't call you that old expression, you know, that dead gender. And you have to, you know, at that point, it's like almost for the sake of both candidates that you have to kind of like come out fully and to the family that may or may not accept you. That's got to be so difficult. You know, my former partner and I, um, he, when we were together, he was in the middle of transitioning, he had been on, you know, the therapy had been quite extensive. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, we were 17 at the time. So you yeah. want to talk about not having all the information at our fingertips and keeping it quiet. You know, our relationship started when we were 17 and it ended when we were 20. And unfortunately, you know, because the medications had to keep changing, you know, temperament Mm -hmm. kept changing too, and it was a really difficult thing. And it's something we've talked about um, 40 years later, and, um, you know, there were lots of apologies, and, you know, I I should have done this, I should have done that, and, of course, on my part as well. But we were only going on the information that was available. I'm so grateful that there's more information available now. Even my situation, I didn't know shit. And I was living in it at the time. And I still mm-hmm. didn't know shit. You know what I mean? So it's I, like more, more information is always better, no matter what. More information is always better, and I think for um, whether we call ourselves allies or partners, what, whatever you are as the um, touchstone to that other, to the person that is transitioning, we also need mm-hmm. to have our own. Like, you know, for me, I've, um, my, my wife is a, a trans woman, and she's also very visible both at her job and with others, and our relationship is pretty, I mean, if you follow me on Facebook, You'll see posts about, you know, me and my wife. Um, During the pandemic, she basically did her physical transformation, which was a boon and kind of a hard thing. I mean, it was great because she, I I feel like she didn't have to take a lot of time off from work so she can kind of, you know, um, you know, she, she would do a surgery, come home, take the time off. But then because she was at home, she could kind of, you know, like email or do a little bit of work around, rather had it been at a normal or what we considered normal time, she probably would have taken a lot more time off. Granted, on my end, it was hard because especially during the early days before we had the vaccine and everything, I had to handle all of the uh, caretaking by myself. And those first couple of days after you bring somebody home from surgery is the hardest because it's 24-7 care. And, you know, I was just in this mode of caretaking for, you know, about a year plus, you know. But the other thing we did was we opened up our relationship. So while I, I'm ace, she is not, and she, I wanted to give her the ability 
especially in her new body, to figure out what type of sexual orientation she wanted to become. And so we've got, um, she's got a a loving partner, um, a girlfriend, and right now I'm not dating. I'm not not sure if I want to, but in some ways it's kind of interesting where I identify as pan-romantic. So I've been telling people, Uh well, in a way, like my tarot family, my tarot tribe is kind of my date in a way, or my friends are kind of my dates, where I could go out for sushi dates with the people I care for and love and, you know, hang around basically the world. But eventually I might find somebody that I would want to date, whatever that looks like to me. But it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those where I do believe that us partners or allies or caretakers in that situation, we need to have a space where we can talk, where we can share and identify. And it's kind of interesting it doesn't matter how far a lot of trans people want to go, but there are similarities when they start taking HRTs, which is the um, hormones or the other medicines. You can be like, oh, you've hit that point. Well, here's what you might want to, you know, look out for, you know, expect mentally or even physically. Yeah, it would be a, a, a wonderful thing for somebody to write a book like that just so – folks who are new to that kind of situation, because I will tell you, honestly, a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, I would say, though, handful of my friends um, have had partners um, announce pretty far into the relationship that they, they wanted to make a literal change. And mm-hmm. for, most, for the most part, the, the person who I was initially friends with was shocked and didn't see it coming, or said they didn't see it coming. I'm not sure. Um, again, I've been in, in a relationship where that was established day one, period, end of story, boom. There were no questions. You know what I'm saying? It was already established, yeah. no questions. Um, which is also different. When you go into a relationship knowing that someone wants to transition, it's certainly easier to... Uh, help and assist mm-hmm. when you have that information up front as opposed to finding out later. So what what do you feel um, is perhaps the biggest thing people don't understand about partners of trans people? That is a really good question. Um, some of the stuff revolves around um, staying with that person. You know, it's like, to me, my wife, Kendra, she has not changed. Like, she is, I mean, she has physically, but mentally she is the same person, the same woman that she kind of was beforehand, and even more outgoing. Um, So I would, you know, the big thing I want people to know about this is that, number one, that person's still the same. They're just, they're Mm -hmm. coming through. Yes, there is going to be that second puberty and the, all that transitional stuff where, you know, a lot of us are like, we didn't sign up for that. However, if you stick with it, if you're able to, you know, uh, fight it out, tough it out, cry it out, all, use all the range of emotions, what you get on the other side when all of it kind of settles down, I don't know if, it, if the transition is ever done, really, but when things kind of settle and that, that person now is living their authentic life, it's so fucking worth it. I mean, like, 
Kendra is just, it's amazing to watch my wife kind of hover around where before she would hide herself a lot. Even though I'd ask her to go to conventions with me, she'd be like, no, 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 I don't want to go. Now she's like, yeah, BarCon bar is at what time? What time do you want me to show up at the hotel for Newt for the Northwest Terror Symposium? I'm there. You know, it's it's just amazing. Some grow. It is. Yeah. That's incredible. But, you know, I think people forget that while it's difficult when someone goes through a transition, mm-hmm. I, I think there's not as much support given to the spouse or partner person. Um, they Like, you know, when you're a partner of somebody, you're going through things with them. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's whatever struggles happen in a relationship, they're shared, you know. So I just was wondering what you would say to someone who wants to assist a partner of a person who's transitioning. Hmm. What would I say to somebody? Hang in there. You're not. You're not alone. Yeah. Um, your needs are just as important. You know, um, find, find groups, find help, reach out to me even, you know, um, there are other, you know, we, we are out there, the, the partners, the allies, the caretakers of trans folk are out there and we are here to help you with questions and stuff. Like, um, in some ways I, you know, I stumbled around doing, you know, what I did with Kendra up front and then all of a sudden other friends of mine or other people kind of have been, uh, reaching out saying, hey, you know, seeing her transition on Facebook and how you, you've responded have helped me out. So it's, you know, read the read message boards, go to Reddit, go to, you know, if you have a personal therapist, definitely. I mean, like Ken, between Kendra and I, we have, let's see here, I have two counselors. I have my biweekly therapist. I have a, um, a psychiatrist for my meds. We have a couples therapist mm-hmm. who is um, open to poly as well as, you know, transitional, you know, trans, you know, oh, needs. She's got yeah. her own therapist. So, I mean, she was very against it way before, you know, our life, but we've learned that we need people to talk to. So therapy does help. And if, if your first therapist or third therapist isn't working for you, fire them. Keep Keep going and keep until you find somebody that um, meets your values. Like my therapist, I had to have them understand tarot. So they're kind of pagan adjacent because I didn't want to spend thousands of dollars up front teaching somebody tarot just so they can understand what I do in my profession as well as my you know personal life. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've never had a therapist see that involved in or maybe – maybe just not that invested in me uh, to want to understand mm-hmm. what it is I do for a living. That's, that's fascinating. I'm glad to see that that has uh, changed out there in, in psychology world because I'm, you know, I'm also on meds, I'm on meds for anxiety and ADD mm-hmm. and, you know, other stuff as well. Um, and I, my doctor is currently finding a therapist for me. He's a great guy. My, ther- my doctor, so he's like, I'm going to find somebody for you. I'm like, okay. He's like, because I really think you need to talk to someone. I'm like, I agree. Little does mm-hmm. he know I talk to people all the time. This is what I do, <laughs> but okay. I mean, I think so. I'm your therapist for the day. Therapy. 
Exactly. Yeah. So talking talking to people about the real things that are going on in the world and in people's lives is very helpful. You know, it's it's nice to know we're not alone. And I think that, in essence, is what most of us are fearful of, the eventual Mm -hmm. will we wind up without anyone to share our lives with. And I will be honest with you, for me, that is a very scary thought. I get that. Yeah, you know. So I have to ask you, if you don't mind this question about yourself and Kendra, when Kendra first told you about her feelings, were you surprised? I wasn't, actually, because um, I I don't know if there were tells per se, but I just kind of like, she always had more of a feminine kind of spirit or that more softer side then, like me, like I said up front, you know, I'm kind of a tomboy. I'm kind of my, my writing is very masculine. Uh, my approach is just, you know, get it done. You know, I'm very kind of matter of fact in some cases. And we're together. We are kind of a whole in a way. So when she, you know, came out and or the way she kind of came out, we were hearing a podcast about gender fluidity, which is that idea that you can slide from. Um, a feminine side of yourself to a masculine and they could flip flop daily, minutely or, you know, oh, yeah. uh, monthly. And so I was like, you know, this kind of sounds yeah. like, you know, kind of how you are in some cases where some sometimes you're a little bit softer. Like one of her bosses once referred to her as a delicate flower. And uh-huh. other times she had a mask, you know, she was kind of more on that, you know, take charge side of things. And I said, let's start playing with this. So every morning I would have her say, "How do you, you know, where are you or what are, who are you today? And she would be like, well, I want to, you know, can you identify me as they, them? And I said, you got it. And then it sort of kept yeah. just sliding into I'm she, her, I'm she, her. And I'm like, that's fine. That's great. Until one day we were on the sofa and she looked at me and it was one of those statements that has impact that, you know, when you have a partner that says it, you're like, whoa, this is, this is the moment. This is big. She looked at me and said, I want a woman's body. And when she said that, I said, okay, what do we have to do? And from there, I kind of let her start driving the, the actual transition from, you know, I, I tried to look for my therapist, helped her find some therapists to get the letters or whatever. She started on hormone therapy um, in the OSHU um, yeah, OSHU healthcare system, and then, you know, one thing led to another, and we're about four years, you know, into it, and, you know, that's, for me, being who I am, I guess that, that uh, you know, having that pan-romantic thing, I didn't, like you yeah. were saying, I don't care about physical package, you know, to me, life yeah. is beautiful in many forms, and yeah. for her, I was, you know, I, I, and I know people are, you know, if anybody's listening to this or will listen to this, you know, they're going to like, you know, go, well, you're, you're fucking transphobic or something. It's like, I'm not, but I literally look into somebody's heart. You know, when we look into the eyes, you see spirit, you see heart. And that's where I get my attraction from. That's where I get my romantic, you know, fuzzy wuzzies by. And yeah. I've, you know, she and I've been together for almost 20 years. So it's not like this is a, a new marriage or anything. We have been together since t- uh, 2004. So I have witnessed a lot of, we've had a lot of good things. We've had a lot of negative things. 
there's, you know, I've witnessed this complete, you know, thing from the beginning. And I was fine with it. I was just like, okay, but I didn't want to drive it since this was her decision and her body. I was like, you need to be the one to be able to, you know, um, advocate for themselves. Um, That's something I have seen for surgical procedures and stuff is that she advocated for herself and probably got on people's um, schedules and awareness uh, earlier than a lot of other friends of ours have or had in the past. So it's like if you show that need and the desire and the drive for it and you keep on top with things, it's like at least with our case, she got noticed. Yeah. You know, in some of the cases that of, of friends of mine who have been through, you know, also a, a transitioning person, a lot of the time in the very beginning, there's this whole, is you know, is it because they're not attracted to me anymore or is it something else or this isn't what I signed up for or, mm-hmm. you know, because in a lot of cases it's so heartbreaking because when that person transitions and even in the beginning of their transition when they're experimenting with, what they want to look like and how they want to present themselves or style themselves, so to speak, you know, that can be a real shock to someone who's been with that person for 5, 10, 15 years. And, you know, in a lot of cases, I mean, you're kind of unique in the sense that a lot of cases they don't stay together, you know, and the fact that you're like, yeah, I don't give a shit. Whatever you got there is fine. Don't care. The fact that the two of you want to stay, even though the relationship has been opened up, it mm. that's very different from the dissolution of a, of a relationship. So you've got, you know, you still obviously want to be together, and I think that's really cool. It is. And it's, you know, I get, I get saddened when I hear um, about, um, a lot of our trans friends, you know, previous marriages or previous relationships where, like you said, you know, hey, I didn't fucking sign up for this. This is the one I wanted. You know, marriage equals one man, one woman bullshit, which to me, I'm like, fuck that. You know, love is love. Right. And, you know, I, you know, for me, I love a lot of my friends a lot more than, you know, some of those other ties that we're supposed to have. And I, I may not have signed up for this, but at the same time, when you get when you get traditionally married under the you know um, you know through sickness and thin, <laughs> this is one of those moments that could be through sickness and thin, you know, through sicknesses and in health, where you're you're given this chance to help your partner, your spouse, your you know your wife, husband become an authentic body. And I think anybody yeah. who's or whether, you know, it's like we're pagans or witches, I feel like we have a right to honor that in some way, you know, and that I, I, I don't know what sort of creators out there, but I do know that, you know, they don't make mistakes, you know, and if they do, then they, they, it's part of that, you know, free will thing where we have the right, especially we have the technology in today's day and age to be able to quote unquote correct that or adjust it depending on, what we want to be and who we want to, you know, become. Yeah. You know, you're like the perfect partner because you are loving and accepting and supportive and, and you 
one of the reasons I like you so much is because you're very open-hearted, and that's a little bit more rare than you would hope it is. But you're you're one of those examples of I I love you from the inside out, literally, which is I think so important. And you know, in my day, very rare. You know, in my day, it was all well. The package is okay. Let's let's see if there's a brain behind it because it was always packaging first, then brain, then compatibility, which is really ass fucking backwards. But you know, in the society I was raised in, that's what it was. You know, as a matter of fact, I was having this conversation with a family member the other day, and she's in her 80s, and she's like you wanted to have kids and get married. And I'm like, no, that's what you guys told me I was supposed to want. I uh-huh. said my life would have been a lot different if you had not been so uh, insistent that that was what I wanted. It's what you all wanted for me because tradition mm-hmm. is what you all were taught. And, you know, and she actually apologized. She said because she never married. And she had all this, you know, her entire life has been her own. She was beholden Mm -hmm. to no one, no partner at all, which is not a bad option either if that's what you want. There's no law that says you must partner up, which is also a misconception. You know, you don't need to do that. If you can be committed to yourself and your goals, and make all of these things happen and have a fulfilled life, I think that's as beautiful a thing as any relationship. The relationship itself, I think, should be celebrated more than it is. I agree. Thank you. Um, yeah. I when I, was a, when I was a kid, I played with Star Wars action figures. My sister played with Barbie dolls, and there was a point, you know, that – she was like, I want to be president of the United States and have six kids. Well, she's not president of the United States, but she has two um, kiddos, so I have nephews. I was like, I don't want to get married. I wanted to be a vet. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be an astronaut. You know, I wanted all these things and yeah, kids and stuff or even a part, you know, a life partner was never on my mind, of course, until high school when everybody's like, you got to have someone. You got to have your soulmate. There's just that one person out right. there. and. Time is ticking, and I'm like, fuck this. But you get bit with that, especially in high in American high school, where everybody's like, oh, I need to partner up. I need that one person. And yeah, I've had some dates, but I almost, I almost, uh, I had a suicide attempt in high school, almost um, before I graduated, because I just, you know, a lot of family trauma, a lot of stuff happened in my life, and I, I never expected it, and I. You know, I, I don't have kids, but when Kendra came along, I was like, this is a person I clicked with. You know, I was like, damn, we clicked really well together, and I could see a life with her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we've been, you know, through every little thing. We've, you know, worked it out. We've figured it out, and we're still together. That's awesome. That is really yeah. awesome. Cause I mean, even yeah, under- we think. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, please continue. Uh, yeah, sure. We, we, we think about our, our future, you know, like in that way of, oh, we have no kids. 
But it's not like the legacy thing, because like her legacy is the music she, com- she composes under the name Transistor Generation. Mine is under the decks and the yeah. books and the stories I tell. But, um, yep. you know, it's it one of those things where when we don't have kids, we're like, well, who's going to take care of my stuff or the junk and whatnot? And a financial advisor is like, well, you can, you can, you know, give it to your cat. You know, like we're getting two new kids. So it's like, hey, our cats can inherit it. Or we can talk to friends that have kids and say, you know, like, while we don't want them to take care of us, would they like to inherit, you know, our worth or something to help them prepare for the future? Sure. Are you kidding? That's beautiful. You know, (laughs) everyone wants to leave some kind of a mark on the world, but having it Mm. have two legs and walking or, you know, have it be another person in some kind of a form, Really, it's not fucking necessary. Listen, I have two kids, and the audience has heard me say this a friggin' million times. I would never do it again, and I love my kids. I mean, I adore my son, but if I could go back and undo it, I would. And they both know it, which is why neither of them have kids, (laughs) because they're like, you know, I don't need this. I do not need to have a carbon copy of myself walking around. And I'm like, okay, at least I did something right. And they're not resentful because they know how loved and adored they are. But it's not a necessity. It does not necessarily improve your life. You will always have heartache. You will always worry about them. I mean, if you're a regular parent, not a fuck-up like I had. Um which a lot of my friends seem to have had. But, you know, someone who genuinely loves their children, as most normal parents, I would assume, are supposed to, um, you always worry. They could be 90 Mm -hmm. years old and you're still worried about them. And the heartache involved and the fear involved when they walk out the door and, you know, the tragedies they go through personally that you can't, fix as much as you want to because that's your kid, I will tell you, I would give all of it back. <laughs> I really fucking would. I think I'd have a lot more peace of mind. And, shit, I would certainly have some more goddamn money. I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah, it's not It's not a necessity. It's just yeah, not. Well, like you said, it's not easy. You know, it's another relationship, and relationships take time and discussion and and all that. I know I never wanted to have kids partially because of the environment. And, hey, look, I'm kind of right. You know, I'm not sure, you know, any the younger generations are even looking towards having kids for the future because we don't know what the fuck's going to happen, and, you know, as far as the environment goes. And I didn't want them to, you know, be raised in this, what the fuck are we doing heading back to the 50s? You know, I read um, The Handmaid's mm-hmm. Tale in college, and a lot of my friends have yep. heard this, where here's little, like, uh, 18, 19-year-old Jamie in the dorm going, wow, that's a fucking story, you know, The Handmaid's Tale, closing the book and going, I'm glad I live in a, in a world where this isn't going to happen. 20 minutes, 20 <laughs> years later, 20 minutes later, 20 years later, I'm like, the fuck? Where are we going with all this? And it's kind of terrifying, and it makes me so mad. And I'm legit afraid for, you know, cis women, women in general, trans women, for the future, because it's it's getting rough out there. And it's like, 
common decency, the idea of love or even accepting people as they are has just gone out that window. I agree. Listen, when they first started talking about overturning Roe, you have to know, once you start messing in established law, that means mm-hmm. everything goes back on the table. Everything. Uh, yep. Marriage rights same, for same-sex folks, health care for, for trans people, you know, people who don't want to identify as this anything, you know, people who want to be just non-gendered, period. Are we mm-hmm. now looking at a society where we're going to be forced you know, you talk about The Handmaid's Tale. I read it, too. And the first thing that came into my mind under the years of Trump was I would be considered a gender traitor. You've heard that, <laughs> obviously, if yes. you've read The Handmaid's Tale. You know what that is. So, yep. I mean, and it was because, you know, because I love men, I love women, I love people, Um you know, I would if I were younger, will I would it, would it the potential have been there for me to get shoved into the breeder box? You know, it's like all of these things go through your mind when you see so many similar things. I mean, I have to remind folks a lot that until I was almost a teenager, women could not have their own credit cards. Okay. I'm old. And I'm Gen X. Like, I, I, you know, for me, all that stuff has been available. Being the Gen Xer, you know, it's like I feel like Gen X was like the first, you know, generation to really, you know, have women, at least, you know, like with me, go, I can be a convoy or I can be an astronaut or I can be a politician, really, you know, to be actually out there. And I feel like uh, the silver generation, the silver era generation, the baby boomers are just trying to hold on to their old stuff so much that they refuse to die off and they refuse or let go. Like, I'm not saying they should all die now, but except for certain people, but I'm not going to name that in public. Um, Right. But yeah, those ideals are being held on so tight. They're not allowing Gen X and younger to actually do the work that, you know, we want to do in the world. And a lot of us don't yeah. speak out. A lot of the non-Xers don't speak out because we are, you know, being the latchkey kid generation or the one that, you know, got to do all the cool things out in the wilds. It's like we have our heads down and we're working. But we, you know, it's like because of that, we're just, you know, we are that hardworking machine of I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do what I can and I'm just going to keep doing it rather than being the vocal ones of fuck y'all. You know, I'm, I'm, I love the millennials because they're the ones that are like, you know, pushing back for us. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm a boomer at the end of it. Yeah. But I'm still in that generation. Gotcha. And my biggest problem is with other boomers. Cause sometimes, listen, I'm not going to name names, but I'm just going to tell you that I agree with you so much that some people just need to fucking go. And most of them, if I really examine it, are people my age and older. Uh, I'm yep. just saying. <laughs> it's like, you know, Grandpa, you hit 70. That's very nice. But you really need to be out of the Senate now. 
understand. <laughs> the leaders should yeah. always be the people who have to work and live in the reality of the middle class and, unfortunately, the folks who are not quite in the middle class yet. Because those are the people with boots on the ground. Those are the people with actual skin in the game. I'm fucking 60. Um, you know, my my punch card is getting close to done, you know. So as far as I'm concerned, any of my needs kind of needs to go on the back burner because there is other important shit like a woman's choice to do or not fucking do whatever the fuck she wants with her own fucking body, and if this person is, identifies as non, non-gendered, you too deserve the right to decide what you do with your body. I mean, this is just fucking ridiculous that we are turning I, the clock back at such an alarming rate. Yeah, and I mean, you're absolutely right. I've always thought that people in, at least in the U.S. government, should be the ones that are still in touch with the reality of what's going on. I remember my dad at one point back in the, you know, like 2000s. So I was a tech writer. Like I said, I've always been a writer, but I was a tech writer for different companies. And a lot of the times tech writing jobs get outsourced because, you know, it, it's cheaper to pay somebody in India or one of the other countries than it is here in the States. And my dad was like, oh, just hard work, you know, bootstraps, blah, 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 the boomer ideals. I'm like, you haven't worked in like 10 to 20 years. You do not know what they're doing with jobs like mine, but, you know, the design, the tech and all that stuff, they're being outsourced. And you, I feel like, you know, governments need to have that working knowledge or even right now technology where a lot of them, are, they use Twitter, but they don't get Twitter like AOC or some of the other um, um, uh, politicians that grew up with the tech. A lot of them are like, you know, blaming cell phones for kids getting killed. It's like, how far removed is that? You know, it's it's all this, this lack, or again, going back to the video games or the music, you know, it's like how our world is just becoming turned upside down, and it's like, what, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people around me didn't get injured because I had music, because I was, you know, my kids have always mm-hmm. been very supportive of their crazy mother. And they kind of recognize that I'm somewhat out of the norm. I know they introduced me to their friends as kind of the curiosity. This is my mother, the fucking witch, and uh, she don't like her age. She likes people like us. I mean, I hang around with my kids' friends, and it's like, we have a grand-ass time. And sometimes they come over just to visit me, which is always very nice. Um, so they're mine, too. I take all of them. Anybody who, who needs a hug or some love, I'm right here, and I'm good with hugs and whatever you need. But the fact of the matter is, you know, when you have a, a ruling class that is getting ready to fall the fuck off and they want to make sure they destroy it for the rest of us, these people cannot be allowed to stay in their positions of power. Because that's all they care about anyway. They're not helping. They're not trying to make sure that the middle class is getting a fair shake. They certainly don't care about the lower class folks who really need help. I watched my friend go to, I took her 
we went to the welfare office because her husband had left, and he left her with two little kids and no job. And we, we needed to find her some assistance. And they were like, that program has been over for a number of years now. And it's like all of these things get closed down. All of these things that assist people get, get tossed. But I'll tell you what doesn't get tossed, their fucking paychecks to themselves, these people in power, they don't take a pay yeah. cut. No. Nope. You know, but we're going to eliminate necessary services for underserved people, for people mm-hmm. who don't have access to health care, for people who don't have access to fucking food. What a tragedy. That is not the country I was taught to believe in. That is not the country... I even grew up in because the country I grew up in was the Kennedy and the civil rights and the, all those things were coming into the fore and love was supposed to be coming into the fore and you can't fucking have people be happy. So let's get some fucking conservatives in there to really screw it up. Yeah. They don't don't want to flow. Apparently you can't have love and power at the same time. I don't know why. I don't know why. You can keep your job. You can keep your whatever the fuck it is you make. I'm sorry. They're so so small-minded. That's that's the thing. They They don't understand the expanse of, you know, love, of what we can honor, and how the power of loving your everybody, you know, for who they are, is that magic that is that manifestation it is that power i mean you know with this being kind of a pagan focused podcast here you know love is a power love it you know and, and divine will to you know go after things for everyone not just for yourself but for everyone is such a huge power and a good force for change but it feels like you know during the pandemic during, during, you know, going on right now, that it's being stripped away because we are so very isolated, and it's just, you know, it makes it hard for us to connect. Yeah, the whole idea of standing together is made very difficult when you're not even able to stand in the same room. I mean, truly, the the wrecking of a country happened really quickly, and it's still going on. I mean, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that Roe, in fact, will get overturned. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Even if it gets lost temporarily, we've got to be able to fight to get it back. Listen, I don't need it. I'm never going to have that even be an issue in my life. But that's not the only thing I care about. You know, I care yeah. about what future generations will and won't be able to do. I don't want women to have to go back to looking to a man for for money, for a home, for credit. This is bullshit. Yep. What about my trans friends? What about my gay, you know, all the other people in my fucking multi-spectrum family with our multi-needs and our multi-colors and beautiful hues? I mean, it's not just about me. It's not just about my family. It's about everybody's family, and what do I want to leave behind? Not this. Not this bullshit. I'm just saying. I get really mad. I'm sorry. 
No, it's okay. I'm I, I'm right with I'm right there with you. And I know that this is a you know more uh, maybe a different conversation that you know you or we have with our guests. But this is something like on Card Slingers, the podcast um, that I'm on with Melissa Sanova and Hillary Perry Hagerty. We talk about these things a lot. First things is what can yeah. you know we at least the three of us are middle-aged white women. We're like, what can three middle-aged white women do? Well, we, we talk. We, we lend voice to the, the minority, being, you know, uh, people of color, being trans folk, being, you know, those of, you know, less privileged, the poor. And we also, you know, like on this podcast, especially for you and I, we, we raise our anger. We share our concerns. We Hopefully those yeah. listening now and later will, like, listen to this and go, I can do something. I can use my platforms. I can use my voice. I can go to conferences and in between classes, you know, talk to people about all this stuff. Or I can only attend conferences that have, you know, people of color that are, like, you know, main presenters or even more so in there. And there's a lot we can do when you think about it. And just even just plant, to me, it's about planting seeds, which is something I, I did back in Kendra. Like every time she wanted to like step out, like wear makeup or, to, you know, paint her toenails. I'm like, you know, uh, she was worried about painting her fingernails. I'm like, paint your toenails. Nobody's going to see the colors. You know, you're going to be wearing shoes. You're going to be wearing socks at work. Nobody's going to see it. Or, you know, um, practice makeup. Do it before you shower. That way you can, you know, wash it off. You know, there's, it's, it's planting oh, those small feet, those toe steps to say, you want something better, here's how you do it. You know, you, you, you just dip your toe in, you, you go as far as you can. You write your Congress people, you raise your voices, you, you know, hop on podcasts that may or may not talk about this stuff and say, hey, what can we do? How can we reverse the, the conservatism and the, uh, Christianity or the Catholicism, you know, uh, the, you know, the old dead, I like to call them the dead white guy society, you know, the old white guy society that's happening right now. Because right. we need to have the younger voices really, truly be heard. Yeah. One of the things I love about doing this podcast is because as an old person who, or an older person who actually talks about these things, um, you know, folks always need advice from someone. There's always going to be somebody that you're going to need to go to to ask questions about, especially when it's a question about, how was it in the old days, Grandma? Um, so that's kind, of my, that's kind of my superpower. So it's kind of, you know, what was it like when you saw it? Or what was it like when you had a partner going through this? Or what was it like when you discovered this change in yourself? Whatever it is. I mean, old folks who care about the younger generation, I think there's a, there's a disconnect between caring about the world, caring about humanity, and caring about people. I used to have a joke. Um, I love humanity, but I can't stand people because people are <laughs> fucking nuts. But in, in any event, I mean, it's an old joke, but a lot of people actually identify with that because the concept... <laughs> of humanity is a lovely thing, but the reality is sometimes very different. But the point was, you know, we've been around longer than some millennials. We're here to help advise. If you have questions, um, 
if you need us to support you, sometimes it can't be necessarily monetarily, but again, putting your voices together, you know, starting a writing campaign, signing petitions. Let me tell you how many petitions I sign in a week. You don't want to know. Uh, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I, listen, I can't march anymore. I, I have um, arthritic, and, and because of prednisone that I had taken for years in a row, my bones are like fucking turning to dust. Mm. But, you know, there's other things I can do. So I do them, mm. you know. Everything doesn't necessarily have to be about money or, or whatever. Um, and there you go. It's, yeah. It's, it is what it is. So, you know. Yeah, for me, it's just all for your support. Yeah, Yeah. go ahead. Sorry. It's it's all about connection. You know, it's, you know, life is one big relationship. Learning to relate with yourself is the hardest connection you're going to need to learn. You know, like there are years that I didn't want to deal with myself. And now I feel like I'm going as deep, you know, deep, deep, deep into my psyche as ever. But, you know, it's easier to relate with others, you know, like one-to-one, your partner, your wife, your husband. And then it's, you know, it, you know, harder to relate to your family or tribe. And I'm not just talking blood stuff. I'm talking like the people that you consider in your, you know, your daily life. And learning to connect to that. And then, of course, back to deity and yourself. That, that's where it's really at, you know. I mean, yeah, sure, money helps us survive because in today's day and age, this is, the, you know, the trade that we have. But learning to relate learning to um, push beyond the um, dependencies or independencies that we have and interconnect us all once again to the whole, you know, hook us up back to the system. That is where I think we're heading in this, you know, next age. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Wow. You and I could probably spend another hour. (laughs) Heck yeah, I know. But well, there was stuff that I'd be wanting to chat about that we didn't even get to bring up. But you know, I know. again, I'm so sorry. No, don't <laughs> we'll be sorry. This is great. This I is know. Great I see. This is why said. people laugh at people laugh at me. They're like, "Well, you know, you don't talk enough about straight ahead witchcraft," and I'm like, "Find another show." <laughs> you know, you but know, this is straight ahead like, witchcraft. This is witchcraft. Oh, is That's me, the thing. People, I know, but a lot of people don't think it is, and they don't realize that this is probably <sighs> the point of witchcraft. That and the fact of, listen, if you want to, if you want to talk about spells all day, there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't do that. The show is more <laughs> like Merv Griffin than than Dick Cavett. So you know it, that's why we like get into discussions randomly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I, I, it's like the men's that we see online, like, you know, you know, new pagans doing all this ritual and stuff, you know, they make you do the rain or not rain, and then the one person goes out there and says, knock it off or bring the rain. Or, you know, or like, you know, banishing ghosts. You know, you, you put all the salt around, but, you know, as you get older, you're like, look, here's my boundary, not at night. You know, that's this is the type of witchcraft people you know, they, yes, you have to learn all the techniques, but when you get to, like, the stuff we're talking about, this is what, you know, it builds up to, is how to make a world better. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the goal. <laughs> all right, mm-hmm. Jamie, let's, uh, 
let's let people know where we're going to have to schedule another visit sooner than later. But before we go, tell folks where they can find you and what you're, what's coming up for you. Alrighty. Well, you can find my written work in Tarot Inspired Life, published by Llewellyn in 2019. Um, I'm the author of over 20 uh, little white booklets or even big booklets, including the award-winning um, Heaven Earth Tarot and the Runic Tarot. Um, coming out, I've got a deck called the Steampunk Art Nouveau that should be out in October, November of this year. That one was a lot of fun to write. You can find me online at um, tarotinspiredlife.com, which is my book companion site. You can find me at intercompasstarot.com. That's my um, just my normal tarot readings or tarot person site. I'm on I, I have an Instagram account. I don't post yet, but once I get two new kitties, that's going to be like Kitten Central. I'm on Twitter mostly oh, at yeah. Jamie or L Ford. And you can hear me, Melissa, and Hillary chat every other um, bi-monthly on Card Swingers Coast to Coast. It's a fun podcast. It is tarot-focused or divination-friendly. And I will be at the Witch City Tarot Gathering in Salem, Massachusetts next month over the 21st through the 23rd, never been to Salem. It's going to be awesome. And then in October, from 6th to 9th, I'm going to be here in my hometown, Portland, for the Northwest Terror Symposium. So I'm trying to return to a lot more conferences. So if you have any questions about, you know, how it goes or what goes on, Hit me up. I love to talk tarot. I love to, you know, share knowledge, and I'll be around. That's wonderful. Jamie, thank you again for coming on, and I'll speak with you soon. You got it. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, guys, I will see you next week. Have a wonderful weekend, and take care of yourselves. Bye.